Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Here is Sunday, uh, December 12th. Uh, yesterday was the the perfect gift here at church. And just a real quick uh, thank you note to everybody that came and helped and set up and tore down and volunteered during the perfect gift. I think uh, Kip mentioned in service when we were praying for Luke and Sarah DeBoers uh, that uh, we had over 2,000 people in our building yesterday for the perfect gift. So that was awesome. What a way to bless our community. So again, if you were a part of the the volunteer team, setting up, tearing down, helping the event, or, or you just and being an inviter, bringing people to the perfect gift. Uh, thank you for that. Thanks for the opportunity here. We get to be a blessing to our community in that way. Well, today I'm joined by Jeff South here on the podcast. Jeff is our director of Upward. And uh, so, yeah, so Jeff, say hey and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff South, uh, obviously. And uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity to be able to spend some time with you here. I um, have been able to have the privilege of walking with the Lord and serving Him for over 35 years, mm. and I've had some awesome opportunities to be able to love on some other people along the way and yeah. to be loved on by other Jesus followers. It's been a lot of fun and have had the privilege of joining the staff here about two and a half years ago in summer 2019. It feels like yesterday, Jeff. I, I know. It, it, it does, actually. <laughs> Carl and I were thinking, wow, we've already been here two and a half years. Guy's been doing a lot of fun things in our life anyway, hopefully, and others as well. We have the privilege of, um, of being a bridge through yeah. sports ministry to mm-hmm. our community. I've tried to build relationships um, from people in our community to people in our church, and obviously yeah. in a relationship with Christ and what it means to follow him and to love him and to to be able to be seen as a Jesus follower. Yeah. And just the opportunity to spend that, use uh, sports ministry in order to make that happen has, has been a privilege and a fun experience these last two and a half years. Yeah. Amen to that. And I, we so appreciate the work that you do in Upward and love the way you described it. Be, we're, we're building bridges, right? And so I, uh, Upward is a, is a bridge building ministry. Um, a perfect gift is a bridge building experience. A father-daughter event is a bridge building experience. So many of our third place initiatives are bridge mm-hmm. building where we're, we're here just to simply bless the, you know, our community members and our neighbors. And, and what we hope for is that we really do believe that Jesus changes lives. Amen. And so, and the gospel is effective for our lives here and now. So not just to build bridges of goodwill that people will feel loved by our, our church, but then that they would see our church as a place that offers hope and healing and and really the life of the gospel. And Absolutely. so, man, so thanks for, for all your work here and, and really running, running upward, upward well. I know you've got – today you're working on a draft. How many basketball uh, players do you have to draft in kindergarten through seventh grade today? Well, we have 467 signed up as of Holy today. Holy mackerel. We have about another 12 more on a wait list. Okay. That probably won't get in because we just had to close some groups. Yeah. And about, probably about 85 coaches at this time. So we're wow. trying to orchestrate a, a draft, but at the same time trying to put coaches in places on dates and yeah. trying to get coaches uh, obviously connected with their son or their daughter who they're yeah. playing with, who will be playing. So yeah. 
Well, yeah. uh, man, that is a, that is a logistical ministry <laughs> yeah. and a calling. So thanks for endeavoring into that. And just, again, your heart is to serve, serve kids and serve parents and, and serve our community well. So love, love that. Love and I, that. And I couldn't, I couldn't do all this without um, Chris Germlin. He's yeah. doing a fantastic job. Great young man who loves the Lord, loves people. And we just have a great time. I, I'm, there are times I'm just wondering how can I get paid and be able to enjoy and have this fun time serving the Lord yeah. together with Chris. He does such a good job. So yeah, he do does. appreciate his ministry with us too. Yeah. So Chris is an Iowa state student. Is he a senior this year? He is. He yeah. actually just finished his last final yesterday. Oh man. And he's got a project tomorrow and then he's done. And then he's a student teaching next semester. Very cool. Very cool. So, and Chris serves as our assistant upward director, right? That is correct. Yeah. 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 So, well, Jeff, you know, this uh, today in our Advent series, we're week three in our Advent series, and the theme for today is is peace. Right? Mm-hmm. As, we, as we've gone along, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, we've talked about hope, we've talked about love, uh, we'll talk about, we talk about peace today, and mm-hmm. next week we'll talk about joy. Those are kind of the four typical themes of Advent. And, and as we've been tracing, we've been tracing Ahaz's or, or, or the, the, you know, the consequences of Ahaz's decision in Isaiah chapter seven. We met Ahaz, he's at a critical point in his life. He's surrounded by enemies, out, outgunned, lacks all tactical advantages. He knows it's a losing game, and he needs an ally. And so Isaiah comes to him, the prophet Isaiah comes to him, is sent him by the Lord, and God says, hey, I will be your ally, I'll be your defender, I'll be your salvation, I'll be your rescue. And Ahaz says, no thanks, I'm going to trust in Assyria. Mm-hmm. And so today we picked up the story with the prophet Nahum about 100 years after Isaiah chapter 7. Nahum comes onto the scene, and it's about 650 B.C. at this point. And Nahum is now the prophet of the Assyrian destruction. Can you imagine having that on your business card? Uh, no, I don't think I'd like that. <laughs> I think Nahum liked it. Uh, <laughs> I shared in, in second service, I said, can you imagine uh, Jonah? You know, we talk about in both services about Jonah, but Jonah wanted to prophesy about Assyria's destruction, and God right. sends Jonah at a point before Nahum. Uh, Jonah happens uh, earlier than Nahum, but uh, it's he, Jonah prophesies God's mercy mm-hmm. to Assyria, and and Jonah's not happy about that. <laughs> and so Nahum gets to be the prophet of the Assyrian destruction, and yet there's this really neat line through the majority of his book is all about the destruction and what's going to happen to Assyria. But there's this there's this theocentric line through it that God is the only one who can save humanity, and that God is the only one that can restore broken people into peace. And, and so Nahum writes with this sort of undercurrent assumption in his in his prophetic work, and that that really is the truth. The truth, right? It's tracing that line all the way through the Old Testament, ultimately to Jesus, which we celebrate at Advent. Is this the the coming of Jesus is the bringing of the peace, the Prince of Peace, right? And um, and so as we talked this morning, we talked about how uh, God wants to bring us into peace, but and, and the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It means completeness or wholeness. Uh, but in order to enter into that, we have to be willing to accept or uh, enter into the posture of confession. And so, um, you know, I think, so Jeff, in your life, as a follower, a Jesus follower, someone that's done life with Jesus for, as you said, 35 years now, um, what what has confession looked like for you, or what role has confession played in your life? Well, I know early on, as a as a person, as a teenager who was searching for 
truth, searching for peace, yeah, searching for um, salvation. <clears throat> I know one of the things that um, I had I'd understood the Lord has uh, communicated through the Bible some yeah. facts about how important it was to yeah. to stay away from certain things. But at the same time, as a, a person who says, you know, I, I, I want to follow Jesus, I want to be a believer, I hadn't really set out to confess overall the mm. things that I had been doing for the last 19 years. And I, I remember a particular time, many of them, but the, this one was probably the, the largest one was when I was with a group of college students at a concert and um, a guy was up front. He was sharing his testimonies, talking how important it was to follow Christ, how important it was to embrace his forgiveness and to walk in truth. Yeah. And it was one of those days that everything he was saying was just resonating. I was just going, mm -hmm. oh, this guy's talking about my my life. And he, he just revealed to how important it was to confess. Yeah who you are to the Lord and just say, you know, you, you need to confess your sins and, and, and repent of them. And of course, I had thought I had done that in the past, but there was just an overwhelming Holy Spirit working and churning and cranking of my heart. Yeah. And I realized, you know, this is the day that I need to come. I just need to come and confess. And I just started confessing right there and just started crying. And just God just broke my spirit, broke my heart. And it just, mm. it was one of those cleansing yeah. At the same time, the peace of God yeah. flooded my soul, flooded my life. And I, that was a turning point for for um, following the Lord as, as that point. But it all started with the confession. Yeah. It yeah. Was, I mean, I, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I knew who Jesus was. I knew that there was a heaven and a hell. But it was just about confessing, yeah. I mean, taking that step. And that's when the peace of God really came into being and, to, and give you the solace that yeah, was needed for me anyway to be able to take some next steps in my faith. Yeah, you know I love the word you used there. You said it was cleansing, mm. right? And I think I think that's such a confession is a really okay. So if you grew up Catholic, <laughs> con confession has a whole background around it, right? True. You go to the priest, you confess your sins. Uh, he tells you how many our fathers and Hail Marys you got to go pray, and then he absolves you of your sins. Mm. And, and and so, which is a whole other theological conversation. Uh, <laughs> but uh, right, depending on where we where we've grown up and maybe the religious spheres that we've spheres that we've grown up in, confession can have a whole lot of stuff around it. But I think no matter where we've grown up or what we've grown up in, confession is always a very vulnerable thing, right? And, and because we are truly verbalizing the stuff that we probably know is in there, mm -hmm. you know, when we look in the mirror, as you said, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was broken. There, there was 19 years of that junk in my life. But then when you begin to confess it and you put words to it and you speak it out loud, that's a very vulnerable place to be. But in that moment that you did that, it, you, you, Jeff, you said it was cleansing, mm. right? It was. You know, and so I think that's just such an important reminder for us. I appreciate the word that you use there because, because again, confession can be scary. Confession can feel vulnerable. Confession can even feel like it's just this religious practice for overly devout or emotionally sensitive people. Uh, when in reality confession really is truly at the heart of being a Christian. Mm. And, and it is, it is, it is like the, the key that opens the door to that cleansing work of Christ in me, yep. you know, and getting to feel and, and getting to feel that peace of God that, that rushes in. 
Um, I think one of the questions that, that came in really wrestles with this um, idea that confession is hard work. It's vulnerable work. It's, it's maybe even embarrassing work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Jeff, how have you, in, in your following of Jesus, how have you made confession a priority or how have, uh, you know, how have you gotten over, um, yeah, just sort of that, uh, maybe not even getting over it, but even maybe embracing it or experiencing uh, something fruitful and faithful on the other side of this hard work of confession. Uh, like I said, I think this qu- this question is really wrestling with, and how do we go about this? This is hard and uncomfortable. How do we get through it? So how did you, how did you, how are you getting through the discomfort of confession? <laughs> uh, well, sometimes uh, there are certain individuals yeah. that um, you just feel more comfortable with, more and maybe have a, a a deeper bond with, yeah, a better understanding of who each other is in Christ, and it's easier to be able to go to those people and actually tell them some of the things. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says, "Confess your sins to one another," and yeah. it's one of those, one of those. It is, it is a cleansing, peaceful bring. But at the same time, not that it. I mean, obviously, the the blood of Christ covers those sins, but it, it's one of those areas where you're just going. Those are those are needed time, but there are I think there are other times, especially when it comes to relationships with other believers in Jesus, and the Bible talks about how important it is to to walk mm-hmm. in the light with each yeah. other, to yeah. walk in the light with the fellowship of Christ, with Christ's people, and with Jesus Himself. And so I, I I've have multiple times um, over the past 35, 36 years, of just spent some time just um, on my knees in, mm-hmm. in confession where I'm going, all right, there's a block between me and God right now. I, yeah. I, I can feel there's a wall, and that wall is obviously not put up by him. It's put up by my sin or the things that yeah. I've continued to allow to build up and being various things. And then uh, there are other times when I've actually had to go and talk with somebody mm-hmm. where we've struggled in our relationship with one another, whether it be my wife or my kids yeah. or somebody I worked with or somebody who – you know, it's just a, a believer that I've interacted with, but maybe I've done something that have harmed them. And so I've had to come. So there's two type of confessions. The ones yeah. where I'm just saying, God, you know, I, I know that I've done this. I, I I need to be, you know, he obviously forgives us uh, yesterday, today, and, and forever. The Bible yeah. talks about past, present, and future sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. But it seems like there is a, a cleansing of the shame, yeah, of the guilt, yeah, of the... Just uh, the burden of when we confess those sins, and I've done yeah. that. Sometimes, right, I've written them down, mm-hmm. sh- you know, scrunched it up, threw it away. Other yeah. times, I've just the ones that I can come to my mind. I just confess them. Other times, when I've talked with somebody, um, I just have gone through the hard process of. I don't know if you want to call it eating crow or whatever you want to say about it. Where you're going, all right, I was wrong. I was I wrong. I need to go to this yeah. person because if I don't, I'm going to build up some bitterness and some friction. And yeah. God says, you know, you can't walk in fellowship with one another if yeah. you don't confess your sins. And so yeah. so there's the confessing just for the the feeling of the a, a shame, a shame and the guilt to be pulled away. Yeah. Even though the consequences have been taken away, that shame and guilt's always there. There's mm-hmm. also that of, hey, I, I need to pull that stuff away from this relationship so I can be with them and con- connect with them on a yeah. basis that God wants us to be. So it's yeah. that forgiving of one another. Yeah. So th- I think those are two areas where confession has been crucial in yeah. my life as a Jesus follower, as a, as a pastor, as yeah. just as a person. Yeah. 
I appreciate that. And I think, you know, maybe another way to say of what you're just kind of packaged for us is that what's done in the darkness needs to be healed in the light. Amen. And, and so what's, what confession does for us is this, it is this, this action of bringing what's in the darkness uh, in the dark recesses of our hearts into the light of Jesus. And yeah. if John's gospel is true, right, that light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, yeah. cannot conquer it, <laughs> Yeah. Right, the darkness cannot defeat it because the light has already had victory. Um, if we bring what's done in the darkness in our hearts or in our lives into the light through confession, then we actually uh, we allow God uh, to begin to heal and to begin to move us and uh, make us whole and complete in those areas. And and sometimes, like you said, uh, Jeff, I love I love the things you hit here. One, how do we how do we bring what's in the dark into the light? Well. Are we spending time, think you know, in reflection, prayerful reflection? Doesn't mean hours a day, right? But are we spending five or ten minutes in our day, um, at the end of our day, reflecting? Okay, Lord, how did I how did I bring you glory today? And how did I how did I uh, engage in my disordered desires? Right? How did I run after sin today? <laughs> um, you know. But if we don't spend time to reflect on that, prayerfully reflect on that. We're probably not gonna. We're probably not gonna think that we need to confess anything. Right. And in that, we miss this intimacy with Christ. That we experience this freedom from shame and freedom from guilt. But we also miss the intimacy with one another. Because I think, as you said, right, as God is drawing that stuff up and out of you, sometimes <laughs> it means we need to go to our brothers and our sisters and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I made this mistake. I." That wasn't in my best form, you know. Um, I need to confess this to you. Will you forgive me? I think there's this, this beautiful, um, We I quoted him in the first service, and um, is Adolfo Cudeza is uh, this uh, Christian theologian and counselor, and he talks about how as we participate in confession, it, it one, it reunites us in the love of Christ, and it allows us to love others and to love ourselves. And as we do that, we we increase in this love. And you know, I think the 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 oh, I just lost the word. the The opposite picture here is the world that says you're supposed to love yourself. And when the world says you're supposed to love yourself, it says you're actually supposed to satisfy your disordered desires. You know, you're supposed to run hard after the things of the flesh. Whereas this being able to love yourself within the kingdom of God doesn't actually originate within yourself. It only originates within Jesus. And that's what Adolfo ends up pointing to. He says it's, it's God's love first that allows us to then love each other. And, um, and you know, Jeff, you were talking about even in first John, it talks about that, right? So uh, we're to confess our sins to one another, uh, but we're also to confess our sins to God and he's faithful to forgive us. But we do this all within community. And yeah. so sometimes we need that uh, alone time with God uh, and we need to confess our sins to him and so that we can experience that peace and that restoration and that, that, that freedom from shame. But then we also need to carry that in, into uh, groups with others. Amen. And I love what you said. I think, you know, there's, we have, when we think about our buckets of relationships, we have the biggest bucket is those that we have as associates. We just know them. We run into them, maybe at work, the gym, uh, all kinds of places. We're just associated with them. We might know, we know their names. We might know some details, but we're not really best friends, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then, and then you have this really core group of friends 
that you're going to spend a lot of time with, you're going to be close in relationship and proximity with, and then you have this even smaller group that are really, as Christians, they should be they should be our our accountability partners, mm-hmm. right? And so I know for myself, I've got a, a, just a, a couple people, you know, not a lot. I think it's like three <laughs> uh, people in my life that can ask me any question at any point in time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot it completely straight with them. And I know a lot of people, right? So I think when we think about confession, it's not bearing our sins to everybody in the church atrium, exactly. <laughs> but it is it is getting away with God. Uh, to let him do business in our hearts and then for him to, and then, and then when we need to, or as we, as we do that, to do that, that business with each other, especially in those small circles. um, So we can experience that forgiveness of community and that, that love. And in that forgiveness of community, it reflects the love and forgiveness of the father. We have this one last question here and it, and it talks about sin, uh, shame and blame. It says, is shame and blame part of jealousy uh, pride or lies. Those are three sins we talked about in the sermon that we're particularly susceptible to. Uh, shame and blame seem to be creeping into our culture more and more. What type of sin is that? How does Scripture or God expect us to reconcile shame and blame? And I think this is a really good question because I think it is, it is touching on a cultural thing that's happening right now where we are moving more from a, um, a justice-oriented culture. In the West, we typically have been very justice-oriented, right, wrong, black, white, um, you know, um, guilty, innocent verdict kind of idea uh, towards a shame honor context, which is actually the context of the Bible and the context of the East. And so this idea that it's just my transgressions aren't just my independent transgressions, but my transgressions bring shame upon me and everyone that's associated with me. So there's we are really seeing the, 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 the merging of East and West in that way. Um, so how do we... Uh, does shame and blame seem to be creeping in? Uh, how how does how does God expect us to reconcile those things? Well, I think Jeff, you started to answer the first part here: is that shame, uh, shame really? I don't think is necessarily a sin. Um, casting shame or making people feel shamed is sinful, but if we feel shame in our sin, that's not really a sin. That's a product of our sin. Um, but it's in Christ, in, in the act of the discipline of confession, that we are set free from that shame. I think, as you said, it's a cleansing work. Um, you know, how do you see, yeah, I mean, just as you, as you hear that question, how do you see us being set free from, from shame? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you touched on it, Kyle, when you said, we talked about how there's shame and guilt, and that's a natural yeah. result if you, especially if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're yeah. walking in, in your, in the faith and you are actually in God's word and, and you're making those connections, we will feel sh- shame and we will feel guilt. And yeah. those are you know, consequences of our sin. And, and those will remain, I believe, they'll remain in our heart, in our mind, because it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, remember these things. I don't want you to do them. Yeah. So now these things are going to, the shame and the guilt are going to be there unless mm-hmm. we confess our sins. And I, as you mentioned, First John 1, 9, it's one that we used to go over with the students in student ministry a lot, where uh, we would talk about, it, it's not just confessing, not just outward admitting but it's the Bible says that the word confession there is saying the same thing about sin yeah. that God says about it. Yeah. And when we say the same thing about sin that God says about it, it then allows for us to be able to see sin for what it really is. And, yeah. and God hates sin. God does not want sin to be a part of our life. And that is the beginning of hopefully helping us to overcome that yeah. or at least to battle deeper in that. But at the same time, it I think it's also where it goes on and says, 
um, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's that yeah. cleansing aspect yeah. where that guilt and that shame that accompanies sin will, will be removed a lot easier in that peace yeah. of God and that joy of the Lord will come back and allow us to be able to say, all right. So I, so I don't, I'm not sure how that interacts with our question as much as shame and blame. Yeah. If I'm blaming other people for my sin, it's another case, I, but shame. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's it is that shame is the thing that we feel. Hmm. And, and yet God wants to set us free from that um, because he wants to forgive us. And, and so he brings us into this peace that really is shalom, this Hebrew word means wholeness or completeness. Hmm. And so he, he begins to remove those things that, of shame and guilt as we confess. And as we then find, as, as he moves in, he says, he, John tells us he's faithful to forgive. So he does. And we experience it. And we experience that in community. Right. We experience that tangible uh, effect of God's love in community as well. When others forgive me, well, it's me feeling and experiencing the forgiveness of God mm. in, a, in a tangible experience. I think the blame side of it is a very interesting question because um, I think it's, it's talking about an antagonistic blame. And, and I think that if we're, if we're talking about an antagonistic blame, because when something is done wrong, there is somebody who should be blamed, right? Yeah. Somebody who's held accountable um, because there's something that's been done wrong by a perpetrator. Um, that's a very neutral sense of the word blame. But I think what's coming here is a sense of antagonistic blame where mm. we're uh, constantly blaming others in an, in, in an uh, again, in an antagonizing way. I can't think of a better word for that, but we're going after others and blaming them. I think that comes out of a sin of pride. Right. Yeah. Where I think my perspective on something is the exclusive perspective. And so I need to I need to let you know, <laughs> you know, and, it, and really what the Bible tells us is that if there if Jeff, if you and I are in a conflict, Jesus says uh, that 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 we're to you, the one who is offended is to go to the brother who does the offending and say, hey, you did this. This happened. It made me feel this way. And then, and then we are to reconcile. If the brother who did the offending does not reconcile, then the one who's offended is to go back and bring a few more people from church right. and, uh, and go and confront, and, and, and we, keep, we escalate it from there. Um, but I think it's not an antagonistic blame. It's a, it's a, it's a conversation that really desires reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And so um, in our culture, if it's an antagonistic blame, I think it really or originates in a sin of pride. And that we believe that our, our perspective is the exclusive perspective. And I need to let you know, yeah. uh, not because I really want you to be reconciled, uh, but just because I want you to know how wrong you are. Right. <laughs> so, so there's that element of when I have sinned against you and, yeah. and yet maybe blaming you for it. Yeah. Maybe your sin against me is something that, that I need to forgive you for, but I need to ask you for forgiveness because I'm yeah. blaming you. Yeah. With a big issue, yeah. So, is that what you're referring to? I, I think, I think a, a, a little bit, right? Is yeah. it is, or even I think even sometimes in the in the more the larger cultural foray mm. that we begin to ascribe blame, and we're probably three, four degrees removed from a situation, or we may not even be involved in it at all. Mm. Um, so, I'm, I'm thinking it's it's uh. it seems it feels like this question is asking about. Uh, folks that are not even within the original partying of offense, uh, but how from a cultural standpoint, it really does feel like we all get to chime in on moments and say, oh, no, this. And we get to point fingers and blame. Like it's our right. Like so it's our right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah I and, I, and I think that that really is that antagonizing blame mm. uh, where it's not our job. Yep. It's not our call. And it comes out of an, a sin of pride because I feel like I know best, even though I probably wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know all the details, 
And I, you know, it, it, it takes a humility to say, I wasn't there. I don't know all the details. I don't know everything. It seems like something wrong was done and we can, we can grieve the, the, you know, that wrong situation and we should grieve that wrong situation. But are we, are we just running hard after antagonizing blame? Um, and we shouldn't do that. Amen. We shouldn't do that. That's a, that's a prideful sin right there. So, well, Jeff, thanks for, thanks for joining us here as we talk about confession. This really is a I think it's it's a hard discipline, but it's it's just, it is a, a discipline that, for us as Christians, like you said, it's this cleansing discipline. And so, um, as we experience Jesus, the joy of Jesus in Advent, that He came, um, let's let's you know step before the Lord this week and just say, Hey, would you do business in the recesses of my heart, uh, so that I can I can come to know you, Lord Jesus, in a more life defining way and experience that peace that makes me whole cleanses me and sets me free from shame and all of my brokenness so it's a good word yeah well thanks for joining us here in this conversation and we'll see you guys uh next week for our fourth week in our advent series